You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hollywood is taking action. Warner Brothers has decided that the new Batman movie will not be shown in Russia. You're going to invade Ukraine? Okay, you're not getting Batman. And (laughs) Disney and Paramount have also pulled their upcoming films. If that doesn't work, Universal is threatening to re-release the movie Cats in Moscow. (laughs) It's funny because the movie sucked. Um, <laughs> you know, from judging by the review I read of the new Batman movie, we might be doing them a favor by not sending it to them. But I guess they try to just and they don't even try very hard, but they try a little bit to be woke and talk about dismantling systems and whether rich Bruce Wayne really was a victim of anything because he's a white man. I'll tell you this, though, and that might all be true, but mm-hmm. I heard the same sort of stuff about don't look up the movie which right. I watched the first half of again last night, and that movie is freaking fantastic. And I was not annoyed by any wokeism in it, certainly in the first half. So I, I actually, know. I'm looking forward to rewatching that whole thing. Oh, it is. I liked it better the second time. That movie is so clever. If you haven't seen it, that is a brilliant movie. Yeah, love it. Love it. God, uh, Leonardo so- DiCaprio could not be a better actor. He's terrific. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He deserves to bed 23-year-old models all over the world. With his dad bod, even though he's not a dad. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, uh, as long as we're playing frivolous jokes, Michael, I'd kind of like to hear uh, number two. Meanwhile, NASA said that despite the war, U.S. and Russian astronauts are still working together on the International Space Station. It's not great, though. Today, one astronaut was like, You said things are awkward. So uh, the uh, the American who's been up there for the world record, 355 days, I think, is about to come home, and he's got to hitch a ride on a Russian rocket. So, yeah, let's keep things cool enough to get this lad home. 
I'm taking in too much of uh, the hard news on Ukraine to enjoy those jokes. Maybe they're working for everybody else, but watching the news all day long and the horrors that happened yesterday and I'm sure are happening right now, I just, I, you know, uh, I guess those jokes aren't for me. Um, yeah, Russia is now indiscriminately bombing civilians, just indiscriminately. They're just blowing people up, hoping that they kill enough people that the country finally gives in. It's that simple. Like they did in a whole bunch of other places in the world and have been successful at it. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe tomorrow we'll get to Matt Taibbi's fantastic stuff on how the West essentially installed Putin back in the day. They picked who they thought ought to lead Russia because Boris Yeltsin was a fat, dumb drunk, um, and they went with Putin. Uh, but we really, I don't think we're going to have time for that today, but we'll see. We'll see if we can squeeze it in. So a handful of headlines that all lead up to some analysis that I like by uh, Ian Bremer, Bremer, friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm just looking at a headline just came out of the uh, New York Times. NATO countries pour weapons into Ukraine, risking conflict with Russia. And just to name check, uh, a few of the Dutch are sending rocket launchers for air defense. The Estonians are sending Javelin anti-tank missiles. The Poles and the Latvians are sending Stinger surfaced air missiles. The Czechs are sending machine guns, sniper rifles, pistols, and ammunition. By the way, some of this uh, name checking, maybe for some of the uh, some of our friends on the right who are acting like the U.S. is doing something crazy by opposing the great Putin. Because it's just so dangerous. You know, you, you, some of your points are absolutely valid. And, and Tucker, any and all dissent is welcome and none should be quashed. And, and just because you disagree with policy, nobody should uh, label you a Kremlin lover. Unless you are one. Okay? I'm 100% up for no groupthink. But getting back to the list, even formerly neutral countries like Sweden and Finland are sending weapons. Germany, long allergic to sending weapons into conflict zones, even secondhand is sending stingers, as well as other rocket launch, or, or, or shoulder-launched rockets. In all, about 20 countries, most members of NATO and the European Union, but not all, are funneling arms into Ukraine to fight off the uh, the Russians. Uh, on a similar note, this on the, the weapons Washington- that, that, that are taking out tanks that luckily a whole bunch of different countries are, you know, donating, giving to Ukraine... I thought it was interesting Mike Lyons being so impressed with the number of tanks the Ukrainians have been able to take out and pointing out to us that he he said I don't think we've ever lost a tank in uh in you know modern tank in in combat and the Russians have lost hundreds of tanks so it seems yeah really something yeah, it's quite amazing. You know, Hanson, I know you're already busy as hell, but maybe you grab that chunk of the Mike Lyons interview from hours ago and we could feature it for the folks maybe this hour. But um, anyway, uh, this from the Washington Post. Western businesses' flight from Russia continues with Shell, GM, and others ending or suspending deals. And we're talking about gigantic, multi-billion dollar deals in a lot of cases. Oh, that deal uh, BP announced the other day? They're cutting themselves off from billions of dollars of profit that they make. But they're done with Russia. Um. Some of the relationships have survived big ups and downs, I'm quoting the Post now, over the past 30 years or more, but they just, quote, broke in the last week, said Nick Tsafos, an expert on energy and geopolitics at the Center for Strategic and International Studies think tank, quote, companies are basically saying, we don't want to be part of this. Um, uh, Britain added to a long list of economic punishments that already adopted by banning Russian-owned ships from docking in U.K.'s ports. 
Switzerland closing its airspace. They mentioned J.P. Morgan Chase, Chairman CEO Jamie Dimon, said banks were talking to the U.S. government to understand the new sanctions, which could have unintended consequences. Okay, that's what he's saying. But, um, of course, they're protecting their asses. They always had, no matter what it'll cost you and no matter what it costs to keep them out of jail, they're in it for them. Never forget that. Uh, the Shell's uh, 27.5% interest in big giant oil and gas um, project. Uh, they are ending that. Um, they're this is a sort exit of thing. joint uh, ventures with the giant Gazprom, et cetera. Gazprom, that's who uh, Hunter worked for? Uh, uh, no, he worked for Burisma. Okay. But they probably had deals with Gazprom. Um, this is a sort of thing I'm, I was expecting and still expect to happen with China at some point, where there's a tipping point and just all of a sudden movies sports stars businesses just nothing but it, it, it's happened with russia in the last week yeah it's a lot easier to do with russia certainly a lot easier but yeah someday tim cook is going to toddle out to the front of the stage and say hey don't drop your iphone for the next two years uh because we got to change the way we do everything but uh to continue on my campaign of info leading up to the in bremer stuff this headline also from the WAPO, in just 72 hours, Europe overhauled its entire post-Cold War relationship with Europe. Just last week, many European countries were still somnolent, that means asleep or sleepy, about the threat Russia posed to Ukraine. The Germany spy chief was caught unawares in Kiev when the Russian invasion began. He had to be extracted in a special operation. But over just a handful of days, Europe has been shocked out of a post-Cold War era and state of mind in which it left many of the democratic world's most burning security problems to the United States. This has galvanized NATO and Europe and and, and driven, drawn uh, us back together again in a way we haven't been for a very, very long time. And they go into some detail uh, on that uh, front. Which leads us now to Ian Bremer. I'm checking the clock. Yeah, I got a little bit of time. Anyway... Um, his headline is, The West is at war with Russia. Here's what it means for the world. Um, and he gets into the fact that uh, American troops may not, uh, most assuredly, will not be on the ground in Ukraine. But the U.S. and NATO allies are sending Ukrainians an enormous amount of the world's most sophisticated warfighting equipment, not just to help them defend themselves, but to help them kill Russians more effectively. Yes, Russian President Vlad Putin started the war when he invaded Ukraine without provocation, but in the eyes of the Kremlin, vastly more Russians will come home in body bags as a direct result of the NATO intervention. And, you know, it it occurs to me I can't rush through this as fast as I would need to to end this on time. But Ian is, because if you don't know, his uh, the Eurasia Group, which he founded, he's the CEO of, um, they assess risk for their clients, which include governments and corporations. So he's trying to figure out what the risks are now, how serious they are, what are the more likely outcomes. We can uh, touch on that in a moment or two. There might not be body bags going back to Russia. Did you see the reports of those mobile crematorium trucks that they've got? He's gonna, I did not. He's going to burn up the Rus- dead Russian soldiers there in Ukraine so he doesn't have to deal with that. So just send a letter to mom and dad back in, you know, uh, East Bumbolinsk and say, hey, sorry your boy died. Uh, he's, here's a medal. Uh, thank you very much. And deny the visual of the bodies returning. If Boy, they that's ever some hear, cold stuff. If they ever hear anything. Right. Who knows? Right. Um, so so anyway, stuff- I'll bring the Ian Bremerhoff stuff home after the okay. break. That's next.
All right. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The fascinating part of this conversation for me is this information war. Every morning I wake up, I turn on Ukrainian television, and I am met with a string of young Russian soldiers who are being humiliated on Ukrainian television. They're having this conversation. Do you know why you were here? No, I don't know why you're here. Do you have a message for your mother? Yes. You know, I want my mom to know that I'm sorry, and I just want to get home. So that's the top TV show in Ukraine, watching Russian soldiers be humiliated. I like it. I wish that was going to be enough. I'm afraid it's not, as Ukraine getting pounded all day long. It's coming up on nighttime in Ukraine, and they expect another night of being bombarded in all their major cities. And this just came out. President Vladimir Zelensky's top aide, riding from a bunker in Ukraine with President Zelensky beside him side, vowed to fight to the last breath, which could happen today if a bomb hits the wrong place. Right, right. And I think Putin is uh, cognizant of the fact that the will of his frontline men may not be so great. And so why don't we just lob some bombs from afar uh, to do the damage? So anyway, getting back to some absolutely fabulous analysis from Ian Bremmer, uh, I'm going to read it to you. Uh, and, and he talks about, uh, the, the harshness of the sanctions and we've already talked about pouring arms in all these European countries, some of which used to be studiously neutral or, or pouring arms in. He writes, the United States and its allies are imposing, imposing crushing financial sanctions on Russia, including blocking Russian banks from the global messaging platform SWIFT and freezing its central bank reserves in an explicit attempt to cripple the country's economy and force Moscow to capitulate or, barring that, to foment regime change. While actively bringing down the Russian government may not be a stated goal of Western sanctions, Putin sees it that way. Western leaders do not believe they've declared war against the Russians. The Kremlin believes that they have, and unjustifiably so. But however laughable you might find the Russian perspective, this misalignment of understanding over what's happening is dangerous. Wow. This is the difference between Ian Bremmer and and partisans. He just he's a referee. <clears throat> Getting back to it. For a man like Putin, who has spent several years in isolation, surrounded only by his sycophants, and for whom things are currently not going as well as expected, this perceived existential threat to his regime and to his own survival makes it more, not less, likely that he will lash out in return. That could mean anything from staging more false flag attacks as a pretext to massacre Ukrainian civilians, Uh, civilians to conducting major cyber attacks on U.S. and European critical infrastructure to unilaterally cutting off Europe's energy supply to threatening nuclear use again. In other words, the sort of desperate steps that are deeply escalatory and hard to come back from. Western leaders need to understand that the kind of fight they're bringing to Russia, a country that may not have the largest economy, but whose military and nuclear capabilities are still in the top three in the world, could have very significant knock-on implications for global security far beyond its effects on global markets. Given the potential for miscalculation, backing an unpredictable autocrat into a corner is a risky bet. Yeah, Tim Sandiver uh, tweeted out the uh, a famous quote from uh, that whole Art of War book that people quote all the time. Mm-hmm. Only surround your enemy on three sides. The idea that if you got your enemy surrounded on four sides, they're willing to do anything, because why wouldn't they? Right, right. Leave them an off-ramp. 
good point. So uh, getting back to Ian Bremmer, to be clear, I am not recommending that the West leave Putin alone. We most certainly should not do that. What I am saying is that we need to be deliberate in our response and consider not only what Putin deserves, but also how he might react, lest we increase the risk of major escalation. When Putin orders Russia's nuclear forces onto high alert in response to NATO statements and sanctions, we need to take that seriously. Not in the sense that we should fold to avoid triggering him or go all DEFCON 1 ourselves, but rather that we need to be cautious not to participate what could be another Cuban missile crisis. Uh, former U.S. National Security Council official, longtime Putin expert Fiona Hill told Politico recently, quote, it's not that we should be intimidated and scared. We have to prepare for those contingencies and figure out what is what it is we're going to do to head them off. The good news is that the United States and Europe are much more motivated and aligned than they have been in ages. Uh, David Petraeus uh, said Putin has given NATO a reason to live again. Then he goes into the fact that the EU is unspeakably stronger than it was two weeks ago. He mentions Germany and and Finland and and, uh, Hungary and Monaco and Switzerland all getting into the act. We'll we'll jump through that part uh, because here's where he brings it home. But preventing Russia from winning is not necessarily the same as winning ourselves. After all, there are such things as a lose-lose situation. All it takes is a spoiler, a role Putin has been playing to perfection for two decades. That's the bad news. Might Putin rather burn down the world than to accept defeat? As he ominously warned back in 2018, and Russian media recently reiterated, quote, why do we need a world if Russia is not in it? That leads me to think that, at least for now, we're heading towards more escalation uh, escalation in Ukraine, meaning a lot more troop deployments, a lot more bombings, and a lot more civilian casualties. And the worse that escalation gets, the more the relationships between the U.S., Europe, and Russia will be broken irreparably. For the last 30 years, we've been reaping a peace dividend from the end of the Cold War, one that all nations benefited from. That peace dividend is now gone. What does that mean? How much is that going to hurt us? We're about to find out. Yeah, I saw Ian state the other day that uh, this is the... Oh, he said yesterday this is going to be the first State of the Union address in a Cold War in 30 years. So Mm -hmm. he's declared that's already begun. Um, And it probably has. You know, I'm sorry, did you have one more point you want to make? That's kind of long, so I'll I'll hang on to it. All right, hang on to it. Next segment. I was just going to say, and Jack and I talked about this the other day uh, off the air, uh, Rush Limbaugh fans. Rush was a genius, and he was also a very nice man, Um, and he he was a very close friend to some of our friends. Um, One thing that Rush figured out is that he could sell certainty. He was always absolutely certain the right policy, the right thing to do. He he sold certainty. And with all due respect to him, God bless his soul, um, we don't do that because in a situation like this, there's a hell of a lot of uncertainty. And our thing is just to try to lay it out there for you. And, and, and there is such thing as a lose-lose situation. Nobody's quite sure how this is going to play out, but we'll try to bring you the ups and downs honestly. Yeah, my concern with that point of view, among other things, and some of the, the latest news out of Ukraine and, and a few other non-Ukraine things all on the way, you can text us anytime at 415-295-KFTC. And also, if you miss an hour of the show for some reason, and I, I just don't know what your excuses are, you could grab an hour of the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The U.S. is still currently buying approximately 600,000 barrels of of crude and uh, other petroleum products every single day. Is that on the table? Is that something that the administration would continue, would consider in terms of further sanctions, cutting off the oil and gas uh, part of the economy for Russia? Well, as you know, that on this issue, for example, we applaud Germany in terms of what it has done as it relates to Nord Stream 2, as it relates to what we need to do domestically as well as, as what we need to do in terms of this issue generally. We have, as the President said, uh, reevaluated what we're doing in terms of the strategic oil reserve here in the United States to make sure that it will not have an impact or we can mitigate the impact on the American consumer. Uh, but let's, let's take this one step at a time. I'm understanding that right now on the issue of energy, our allies have stood firm and unified in a way that many of the pundits didn't predict would happen um, to ensure that we are we are unified in our approach to this issue. Hmm. I more charitably than usual tried really hard to just follow her. And I was thinking as I was listening to her thinking, you know, maybe she's a smart person and she just has trouble getting her thoughts out. But that didn't make any sense. 
No. Uh, number one, she didn't answer the question for reasons that, well, that, you know, briefly stated. Uh, if she admitted that's a good idea, then she would have to admit that it'd be a good idea to ramp up our own fuel production, right. lest fuel price, uh, oil prices go through the roof and just crush the economy. And that would offend the environmental left. But it's funny how many times she threw, rain, uh, threw around the terms, uh, well, I'm sorry, the words in terms of and in reference to and the and the uh, uh you know the, the framework is you know just those kind of yeah. i'm smart sounding phrases all yeah, of them she's but she that. didn't she didn't answer the question she didn't answer it in about 750 words joe biden had an opportunity last night to increase his poll numbers a lot it would have angered people on the left but he could have uh, done what we were just discussing said look the country is going to run on oil. The world is going to run on oil for the foreseeable future. And then he could have done some paragraph about global warming and how awful that is. But the reality is, for the foreseeable future, oil is energy. And we need to be the energy supplier to the world so that people don't re- rely on awful countries like Russia. I think is you know that sort of thing could raise his poll numbers by 20 points for most uh, Republicans and Democrats who are sensible, even though the far left would be angry at him. And he could have come out and said, the Wall Street Journal was just talking about it, he could have come out and said, you know, we're going to bring our military spending up into uh, into the territory where it has been historically, even in peacetime, because we're way below that right now. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, the world is getting more unstable and more dangerous, And but, but he didn't do either one of those things. So that's disappointing. Um, the latest, the very latest out of Ukraine uh, headline that I saw uh, Stand Ukraine's, by for the latest headline. Ukraine's uh, Kharkiv front line holds despite bombardment. That's as night falls. Been bombed all day long in the second biggest city in Ukraine, and they 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 still control the city, and uh, they're still there. But how many more days can that last? Who knows? And reading several different pieces on what could Putin possibly be thinking the end of this looks like? Even if he wins, which is the most likely outcome, he beats the hell out of Ukraine, kills a whole bunch of innocents. They finally surrenders the wrong word, but there's just there's just nothing left to do. They capitulate, yeah. And um, he kills Zelensky and everybody around him, and it just takes over the country. But then what? You've crossed a line. The world is not going to go back to, you know, treating you like a normal person. You're not going to go to Paris and meet with Macron, and you're not going to go to, uh, you know, the G8 summits and all that sort of stuff. That's over, man. That's all over. So what does he think that post-Ukraine victory world is going to look like for him? And and will this, and, and it's funny, it hadn't occurred to me with this clarity uh, yet until now, how the hell will all of that increase Russia's security vis-a-vis uh, NATO? Well, they're going to the be East. The, these these harsh sanctions aren't going backwards. It's a one-way ratchet, as I was just reading uh, in the Wall Street Journal. I think it's right. I don't, I don't think that the people are going to say, "Well, it's over, and let's go back to letting them off the hook and letting the oligarchs have their yachts here." And I don't think that's ever going back. Yeah, I don't know. As soon as somebody can make some money, they probably will. But um, at, at least I'll meet you halfway. I just don't see how Putin sees this at a win, although he's so committed at this point. What, what, what is he going to do? 
The thing. You see this they, headline: indiscriminate bombing of civilian targets intensifies. It's getting uglier and uglier. And and you know, I'm looking at some of the video right now, and it's it's World War II stuff, man. It's just buildings being reduced to rubble, or at least you know half reduced to rubble. And yeah, so you're going to take over that country and start running it, and and use the mighty Russian economy to rebuild it, or just leave it in ruins, or what? Yeah. The Russian economy is not going to be good probably ever again. I, I don't know. I can't imagine what he thinks the end game is here. The uh, the stuff Ian Bremmer was talking about and a lot of people on the right are talking about of pushing him too far and getting us into World War Three and all that sort of stuff. I would just like to say this now in case Putin drops a nuke on Kharkiv later today. No matter what, if Putin does that, he's the bad guy. He's the reason it happened. He's the one to blame. Let's not go with some sort of we pushed him into it narrative. Because it seems awful close to she shouldn't have worn a short skirt into a biker bar to me. That, you know, us wanting to come to the aid of a democratic people who are just fighting for their lives in the face of a maniac puts us on the wrong side of this. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I absolutely do. I think the the most sober and reasonable people representing that point of view would say, all I am saying is, let's figure out what's best for the American people and do that. Let's not go get so swept up in talk of justice and right and wrong and, and the rest of it that we end up, you know, damaging ourselves, perhaps badly. That quote that's making the rounds right now that I hadn't heard till yesterday, apparently said it years ago, but it's been revived in the last 24 hours, of Putin saying there's really no point in having a world if you don't have a Russia. That's scary stuff. If that's his actual worldview of better to blow up the planet and start World War III with nukes than to not have a you know prosperous, functioning Russia, if he actually believes that, and I don't know if I think he's that crazy, but if he actually believes that, well then, yeah. World War Three with nukes is on the on the table. You yeah, think I wonder. He that's that? unknowable. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, I I do know that. Well, as Ian Bremmer said, we have to be very calculating in this and anticipate the possible reactions to everything we do and and be ready for them, and and beware um, being overly emotional about the whole thing. No, I'm not a I'd rather be right than happy guy. I am definitely not. And if uh and if he would blow up half the planet if we get too involved in Ukraine, well then that's not a win. Obviously. Right. Mhm. Even yeah. if you can justify 1000% and you can coming to the defense of the Ukrainians. But yeah, it does uh, well and, and you know, it's probably worth mentioning that uh, I think a lot of people when they picture a nuclear bomb, they picture Hiroshima. And not something that's 500 times more powerful than Hiroshima, for instance. Some of the modern uh, nuclear arms. As I always point out, nobody's ever used an H-bomb in war. Uh, If you think we have, you're wrong. You know, do a little reading about it. Those were atomic bombs, not hydrogen bombs, and they're different. And, uh, yeah, he's got the bad stuff. You know, getting back to the rough... Uh, analogy I was using earlier about the blaming the woman wearing a short skirt into a biker bar if something bad happens, like blaming the United States if, you know, taking it to the other side, and I think you've talked about this before, but um, 
you know, you don't want to blame the victim. But I think it's good advice to not dress super sexy and get all crazy hammered drunk a bunch around a bunch of crazy guys at a party. It wouldn't you you wouldn't be your fault. Be all their fault. They're the evil ones. You did nothing wrong. Still not a, still not a good idea. Oh yeah, it's dangerous. There are different like lenses that you can look at situations through. You know, moral lenses in terms of the morals of it. There's no question who's wrong in your your scenario. In terms of wanting the right outcome, though, and taking responsibility, it, it gets more complicated. So the, the the point I'm making, hopefully it's not lost, is if Putin, you know, fires Kamala. off a nuke. If Putin fires off a nuke, you know, he's the one in the wrong. He's doing everything wrong. Um, but we want to avoid that situation. We we want to avoid him making that calculation. Right, right. Yeah, that's some that's some complicated stuff right there. Well, especially when you get down to your unknowable uh, question: uh, How crazy is Putin? Uh, would I mean would I, if I were somehow the leader of the free world, decimate the globe uh, out of just spite, kill the millions just because I could, because things haven't gone my way? No, of course not. It's just it's uh, it's unthinkable. But Putin is a different sort of cat. Well, these, this is the very conversation they were having before Ronald Reagan gave the speech, calling him an evil empire and saying, tear down this wall. It was a conversation, are you going to push these people into thinking that we're out to get them, where they're going to want to you know, go with first strike capability, all that sort of stuff? Or is confronting evil with facts the way to go? And in retrospect, since it worked out okay, everybody thinks it was a clear call of which direction to go. But that was the discussion they were having at the time. Well, and from the same textbook, a different uh, essay assignment to analyze the Cuban Missile Crisis. Trying to figure out, you know, exactly what the Soviets might do and what they weren't willing to do. And uh, to quote the great uh, Sting, do they love their children too, you know? Yeah. But Vlad, I don't I don't think Vlad loves anything. But as I don't think so either. Uh I don't know, obviously nobody does, but my my guess would be uh Putin going out as the guy who really took on the rest of the world in a nuclear war wouldn't bother him. No, he's a psychopath, I think without any any doubt in the actual clinical sense. He he just has no regard for any other human being. And the problem with that if he's convinced us of that, is that people that act that crazy get to do a whole bunch of stuff. They get to do a whole bunch of bad stuff, and everybody just gets out of their way because you're scared of them. Yeah, you push back as much as you can. You don't go over the line, and you uh, pray for the day he dies or gets pushed out by his own people. And and that can be extremely tough to take, but sometimes that's all you can do. Uh, again, to quote Ian Bremmer, sometimes there are lose-lose situations. You want to avoid the lose-lose situation. Right. Forget the win-win situation. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, this is hard stuff. Sure, and it involves guessing to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, text line four one five two nine five KFTC. We will finish strong. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick. And hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, 
Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Tonight, I say to the Russian oligarchs and the corrupt leaders who built billions of dollars off this violent regime, no more. The United States... I mean it. So, Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Oh, thank you. Leadership of the free world there, if you need them, folks. Maybe this is the perfect place to put this. I'm muted. I'm fully muted. I don't know who isn't. There we go. Um, maybe this is a good place to put this in light of everything. Trombone's muted. In light of everything we've talked about, the numbers are out on Britney Spears' memoir. <laughs> Which, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, is going to be the second biggest payday in publishing history behind only the Obamas. And that was two people. $15 million for Britney Spears' memoir. Wow, that's, uh, that's good money. Good money. Can the human mind take in the information of the last week? And that, have them all exist in your head at the same time, 
and make sense of the planet and humanity. Can you Without do that? Your your head exploding or your brain melting down and leaking out of your ears. Yes, picturing Vladimir Zelensky and Britney Spears with a sack of fifteen million dollars at the same time. Yeah, Try can it. you do that? Can you do that? It it it, it will either make you laugh or cry. Or it both. hurts. It's like I've got a cramp, like you get in your thigh. Only it's in my brain. Yes. Trying to have those two things exist at the same time in humanity is really making my brain hurt. And trying to figure out what it means. Where does that leave us? Should I enjoy it as just like, look at the wide possibilities, the full palette of the human experience. Maybe I should look at it that way. Ranging from this to that and everything in between. Maybe that's just like the beauty of God's creation. Is it it's so varied? And so many flavors. Mm, I'm trying that, and I appreciate your effort, but <laughs> I, I mostly still have the brain cramp. Of all the minds in human history that are alive today that could write their memoirs, $15 million to Britney. And she's only 40. Who writes their memoirs at 40 anyway? Well, well, Britney was, you know, made her career as jailbait at age 17 or whatever age she was at the but, time. So, so you're implying that what she's accomplished so far at age 40 is enough for the $15 million. There's no need to see if she cures cancer in the next 20 years. <laughs> well, or she'll up, come up with another one. Ends up the Queen of Liechtenstein and stops a war <laughs> or something. <laughs> for instance. That would make you wonder, wow, I wonder what our thoughts were at the time. Maybe I'll read the book. You're just saying that Chapter 4, The Timberlake Years, are worth reading on their own. And there you go. Well, from a purely economic standpoint, yeah, clearly enough people will do that. Although, you know, in, in, in uh, back to the zelinsky Brittany thing at the same moment in, in my head, is it possible, and forgive me for this, is it possible that we've had the second coming and it was Andy Kaufman and that this is all an elaborate bit by God? Let's see how nuts we can make the world. There's a hole in the show and you know it's time to go. It's time for final thoughts on your feet. <laughs> Here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. Oh, that was lame horrific. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There he is, our technical director, pressing buttons, Michelangelo. Michael, final thought? Yeah, the Michelangelo autobiography, Button Pusher, Toggles of Love, will soon be available. So <laughs> look for it at Bookstore near you. Sure, and you'll write that for one million. That is a great, great title. Uh, is Alex back yet? Out no. in the uh, news? No, he's spending a full week in Vegas on his oh, uh, my bachelor party, uh, wow. which I would have not have survived at his age. Gee, money. Jack, a final thought for us? Yeah, I'll just tell you, if you're if you're following the Ukraine story and you wonder where to get the information, Jake Tapper, CNN's show, is really, really good. Following Ian Bremmer, for instance, on the Twitter is a great way to take information and get, and get a pretty good feeling that this is uh, true. They've done a little research to figure out whether or not this is accurate, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I realize that uh, getting your news from CNN is a little like getting golf tips from Hitler. It's just uncomfortable. What? But... Jake Tapper is not really of CNN. They hired him for golf tips from Hitler. Did Hitler even hit the white ball? (laughs) Not very well. But Jake Tapper is a serious journalist. He's doing a pretty damn good job. I guess my final thought is join us tomorrow. We'll try not to depress the heck out of you, but some of the stuff is just so serious. What are you going to do? 
Well, I have a feeling it's going to get more serious over the couple of, next couple of days. The news, anyway, not necessarily the show. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Here's what you're going to find at armstrongandgetty.com. Number one, any part of the show you missed, grab it via podcast. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. You can pick up an A&G t-shirt or, or sweatshirt or something like that. Email us if there's something we ought to be talking about. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We contemplated the Britney Spears autobiography. I mean, what do you want from us? We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. Listen up, Jack Wagon. Worst episode ever. Get. Let's hug and love each other. And we'll be back with more right after these words. You piece of shit loser. Damn. It's just the way it is. Half cup full, half cup empty. And boom goes the dynamite. So. Let's go out with a bang. You know what I'm in the mood for? Bone deep sadness. <laughs> Sadden to the bones. To the bone. <laughs> full of melancholy. Sad. On that high note, thank you all very much. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.